This is Kamkunji, a podcast series by Errant Praxis. So I thought we could start by asking, what is counter space? So I think counter space is a culmination of a lot of things, but at the heart of it, it's the three of us, which are young female um, architects who are practicing in Johannesburg. And I think we individually bring a lot of our own agency to counter space, even though we have sort of shared interests and shared um, just, well, shared ideas around the design work that we do. I think we bring, bring a lot of our different personalities to what we see and how we read the city. And I think that extends uh, beyond just us and uh, to a lot of the people that we work with, um, the people that we collaborate on in projects. And I think that lends itself to quite a dynamic practice. Um, yeah. Um, just to add to what Amina was saying, um, I think we specifically center our work around Johannesburg um, and it's dark and also a really interesting um, past and and future trajectories um, both from a cultural and economic point of view um, I think our practice also occupies the edge um, of the architectural profession um, because as Amina says we we collaborate a lot with other disciplines um, and also we we yeah I think we work with um, the arts and other sorts of artistic disciplines uh, which which move beyond architecture. And um, why do you think it's important to work from the edge or to be, as we're calling it, undisciplined or to be errant? I think counter space doesn't accept the norm of mainstream architecture. I think we feel that it's very urgent and um, kind of belated to to um, kind of be quite active and, um, um, sorry. Um, no, I think I, I agree with what Sarah uh, said. I think a lot of our work when we started off quite early on was a reaction towards uh, the profession as we saw it. Um, a lot of it is sort of just comfortable or um, sort of convenient ways of practice. And I think that was a lot of where our urgency or agency stemmed from, but then also a reaction to what we were seeing around us, whether it's political or social, whether it excited us or upset us. I think it was um, a, a lot of our design work or our research work sort of interrogates um, spaces or the city around us, uh, I think more so than um, what we would traditionally do in um, a normal think, architectural practice. I think an awareness against standard capitalist prote- uh, processes which aren't very self-reflective um, um, and tend to be uh, propagating um, these kind of um, spaces of sanctuary or separation which have a very small elite at its interest. Um, so I think, I think we try to look at things quite differently. Um, we try to write in the narratives of the people that we um, meet as part of um, the effect, affected parties or, or groups of people or clients that, that um, approach us. Um, yeah, and I think just talk about um, 
more, more fold, fold more stories into, into the brief um, to, to produce some more interesting design response um, than mm. just what the standard brief would normally give, give an architect. Mm. I think there's also a lot of responsibility in positioning yourself on, on the edge or the margin or as errant because it is, as you're both saying, a reaction to the status quo, but it's also a voice of dissatisfaction and a voice of, of dissent against what is or what, the knowledges that we've inherited and the place we've inherited. It's, it's an acknowledgement that we can't be complicit in that world, which comes from unjust systems and colonization, apartheid, capitalism. Um, so I think our practice is also a very, or we're trying to be a thoughtful and an active voice against those systems. Um, but also I think on a, on a selfish level, it is quite fun and it's quite conceptually rich to be positioned where other people aren't looking and to see interesting things um, that might not appear interesting to everyone else from the outside or to look where architecture is not, is not yet looking. And I think I agree. I think in the undisciplined aspect of it also um, allows us to step outside of what is sort of just the built environment and we can cross disciplines, blur those lines between sociologists, anthropologists, uh, different practitioners and different fields, um, which is quite exciting. Yeah, to borrow yeah. different ways of thinking and seeing and making, yeah. mm. which, as Samia says, um, occupies a space that, that most people are not looking at at the moment. Um, and then maybe we can talk about some of the things we are or that we use that help us to produce um, this voice or this work that is about protest. What do you think those methods we have are? I think one of them is maybe like wanting to use gold or thinking mm -hmm. about color um, because Often I think that the architectural realm or the, uh, the world of architecture as we know it now is quite dry and quite removed from, from the richness of people's lives and the richnesses of our context. And to think about things that are mythical or magical or kitsch or atmospheric or female or feminine is also a way to try and find a... Um, a magic in in the work we make and also to try and assert an, a voice that is about something else or something other. I think also about um, rendering certain things that are not normally visible mm. visible. Um, for example, through our work um, of our, our, drone, our drone photography, um, I think gives or acknowledges particular practices which are not seen from our everyday kind of gaze. Um, and, and those things are in themselves quite oppositional or um, are occupying spaces that are not really designed for, the, for those practices, but are really quite, um, I think, quite beautiful or um, activist in their own ways. Um, and I think there's a lot we can learn from that. 
And I think many things we do is about drawing into being um, things that are below the surface or it's about the narratives of people who, who are there, um, which is not something that you would normally show or detect in standard architectural drawings. So I think our work is very layered um, and complex and, and once again folds in a lot of different kinds of aspects of, of the site, which I think in itself becomes a process of protest against the architectural canon or, or practice um, and, mm. and challenges what a drawing can be or, or mm. um, what a drawing tries to do um, mm. or, or proposes a different kind of future. Well, also the way the canon's been set up at the moment is it, it is like a violent silence or erasure towards um, things that are other or that don't fit into black and white lines and certain kinds of convention. So it's also, what you're saying is it's, also, it's really important to fold in other ways of doing and making and being because in a way it's starting to recognize them but it's also providing us with a lot of new tools to make architecture in new ways. And I think that I mean, it's constantly testing us or challenging us as a practice because, I mean, trying to achieve all of those things, it is about uncovering new new means of representation, new men, means of how to do research, new means of drawing. Um, and I think that's what makes it quite exciting on an everyday level, just trying to see what is the, the speed of our practice. Do we do projects that are sort of faster paced um, to achieve certain things or is it, um, or in contrast to like slow projects that really unpack things at a different pace? Um, yeah, so I think it, for us it it is a challenge, but it is something that um, is very important to us. Um, two things I want to pick up on on what you're saying. The first I think is about representation. Mm-hmm. Um, what does representation mean for counter space? In terms of the work we produce, or in terms of the community that I think both, because I think that is quite layered in itself, and I think they both probably overlap and um, sort of speak to each other. And I, yeah, I don't know. That is a interesting question. Um, I think in terms of the community we represent, we each come from very um, a sort of a diverse background and the community that we deal with in our work is sort of diverse and sometimes most well most of the times out of what we know. But a lot of a lot of the times you can see the overlaps and I think um, our representation tries to interrogate that, interrogate what we know mm. as and where we come from culturally or professionally, mm. but then also how does that overlay onto other people's practices, whether it's indigenous, whether it's, um, I don't know, uh, more representative of a bigger a society that's outside of ourselves or big, bigger than our, ourselves. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think, um, yeah. I think also um, in terms of representation, we are not just women in a practice as um, 
like faces in a practice or well, female faces in a practice we're also using what we have in us in our backgrounds and trying to use that to push forward new structures and new forms of representation um, and I think I completely agree I think that the representation in the drawing and the representations of power structures and of hierarchies and so on are really intertwined and it also isn't incidental that we call those things the same thing mm -hmm. um, which again I think is is why it's really important to start to interrogate representation a lot more fully mm. um, and then on representation do you think categories and questions about women or Africans or youth are important. So for example, in a Biennale, um, to be represented as an African participation or a woman participant, what value do you think that holds and do you think it's important? Um, well, when you're asking the question, I was thinking a bit about um, the cyborg manifestos for some reason. Um, and I think, in a way, it's because um, something that exists on the, on the outside of some, how something should normally work, um, and it's this kind of um, other space, or there's this constant pursuit of trying to package or talk about something which has been long, long discluded uh, from something. Um, I think uh, is a very healthy and exciting but also very difficult thing to work through um, and I, I think for me at least in the conversation say around gender um, or acknowledging female or feminine practice um, I think trying to package what that is or what that might mean is a very useful way of seeing once again for design because um, I think the way we identify ourselves is something that is not something that can be put in a box necessarily, mm. um, but it's this constantly fluctuating um, dynamic attributes which I think makes makes you flexible and adaptable um, to see things in different ways and work in different ways. Um, and I think in all of these groups that have Long, long since been kind of written out of history or not been included in history. There's so much we can learn um, to to um, constantly grow that flexibility and adaptability and the cyborg or the strange kind of hypothetical but also very real um, other way of practice, which which should challenge and um, destabilize this you know comfortable practice that Amina was talking about right in the beginning. And I think there is value to the categories, especially since we exist in a moment, uh, not only in our profession, but not only in South Africa, but also globally. In the history sort of, of the world. Yeah, the history of the world, where there's like this shift, where it's almost like we're trying to move towards um, sort of breaking the glass ceiling of how we practice architecture, but sort of how we navigate the city, how we just exist in the world. Um, so in a way, I mean, we all teach, and I think it's really important that we are who we are in that space as well. So not only sort of in the university space, but I guess in the professional space, just occupying the space as sort of a woman, 
a young woman, a woman of color, I think that resonates with a lot of people because it's starting to open up conversations that didn't exist before. It allows for younger professionals or younger people to, to see that there are uh, ways of doing things differently and successfully. Um, and I think that's important. Um, so when I think when platforms that are like biennales or um, media or things like that come about, I think it's good that there are there is representation from a wide spectrum of people because then it mm. sort of allows people to, mm. yeah, to, it allows for more work and it allows for different work as well to be produced in those spaces. Mm. I, I agree on, on both counts. I think it's really important for um, for these these categories to exist in order to, or until the, until the, the platform or the playing field is level. So until we have equal representation from women, Africans, young people, all these others, other categories, um, we need to include them so that we have a conscious awareness and a conscious effort that these practices exist and a constant assertion um, of what they bring. But I also think that it's important to interrogate the value of what these practices can bring, or these mm. these categories can bring, because um, I think Sarah was alluding to it as well. As a woman practitioner, there may be a lot of other things that you bring because you are a woman, which is about a different way of seeing. So I think if, as the next question, we should also be thinking about other kinds of categories that are based on what these categories bring. So, for example, we can start to think about including or and recognizing work that is cross-discipline or related to performance, related to other, other disciplines um, that become a part of how we practice because we are woman, young, African, etc. Thank you.